Hey everyone, Ryan here. Just wanted to preface this episode by letting you know that I had a few technical difficulties while recording, so there are going to be a few moments coming up that sound a little less than perfect. This is especially embarrassing for me on an episode that features such an extraordinary guest. And so, to you, the listener, and to you, Jessica, our guest, I apologize. I've done my best to mitigate the offending audio, but it is there, and I hope that doesn't diminish your listening experience. So, without further ado, please enjoy our 81st episode, Wild at Heart. Welcome, Welcome to, to X-Rated Movies. This is a podcast by two guys who used to date, now they don't. I'm Matt Fisher. I'm Ryan Whedon. And today we have a very special guest. Jessica Baxter is here with us. Hello. This is the first time that we've had a guest on for um, our season opener. This is our oh, 81st first episode. episode. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, I, I hope I don't, I don't I, let the audience down. I don't no. imagine everyone's going to be like, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I'm not subscribed. <laughs> Uh, but thank you for joining us. I'm yes. happy to be here. You do writing about film, right? I do, yes. I'm a, a film critic for Hammer to Nail, and I also wrote for Film Threat for many years. Yeah, that's my main writing job passion, and then I also do bits and bobs. I was writing listicles for a while, but uh, oh. that's really stressful. Yeah. <laughs> but, Would you have to research that junk? Or oh, yes. Just, oh, so much yeah. research. You have to be very... You have to have all your facts in line, and because they will get sued at the drop of a hat. Oh, so wow. oh you have to really? Really, really fact check every quote and every you know piece of hearsay. So I had to take a break from it because it, was, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't getting paid enough for the hours of research I had to do. Was it like movie listicles, or was it? It's uh, for a website called Screen Rant. So it's uh, mostly movies, uh, TV, and uh, a little bit of video game stuff so it couldn't just be like 20 movies where the ending suck shit or something like that like <laughs> no they were actually really kind of conservative about things oh, <laughs> like, okay with my first listicle i turned in they were like you need to tone this way down oh. <laughs> i'm like okay were there any listicles you couldn't do because, yes because but so many i got my pitches got rejected all the time <laughs> can you say them now are you, are, are you... um i can't remember them but they're usually there were things um that i would want to click on but our demographic was uh you know white males in their uh 18 to 35 and apparently we don't want to read the same stuff <laughs> so yeah. why are we still catering to them i don't know it was i mean they didn't like anything positive but then you also couldn't be too negative like i had one i pitched a couple times that was like you know best girl friendships on tv and they did not like that they wanted to see well, frenemies to, or, oh i was know. gonna say <laughs> you know to be fair you just yeah. put gilmore girls 50 times <laughs> <laughs> I also think the Vampire Diaries has some good friendships, but oh, at least okay. in the later okay. seasons. But. Wait, so we also did uh, some movies together. That's right. Before I wrote about movies, I wrote movies and uh, directed a couple. Uh, I co-directed one that, uh, with my friend uh, Faye Haroff, who also we co-wrote and co-directed. And you played one of the zombies, I think, That's or maybe right. I a couple two times. Zombies, we yeah. definitely had, yeah, we definitely had people come back. And... I also got to be a townsperson, and I got to beat a zombie with <laughs> yeah. a slipper. So that movie is called Snow Day, Bloody Snow Day. I don't think I said that yet. Yeah, that was your first IMDb credit. That's right. I have an IMDb oh, yeah. credit because of that now. Oh, yeah. I spent a lot of time on IMDb entering names. It's really hard to get things put on IMDb, let alone changed. If someone wanted something changed. 
how do you get to do that? Like, do you have to prove that you have this movie first and then you yes, can start entering stuff? Yes, they have stuff? to have uh, verified screenings on the internet. They have to be able to click on a link and say it played at this movie theater at this time oh. or on this date. Like, it has to have been screened somewhere publicly. It's a very convoluted system that you have to <laughs> <laughs> enter all the data and then you can't save anything. So if anything goes wrong, you have to start all over again. Oh, man. And then they just take weeks and weeks to get back to you about whether or not your stuff has been accepted. So. Wow. <laughs> this is good feedback, IMDb. Yeah, that's right. Are you listening to me? <laughs> uh, yeah, but we also did, there was like, what was that uh, one I was trying to remember? Was it called Issue Girl? Oh, yes, Issue Girl. <laughs> yes. I really uh, liked doing that, too. I got to play Pretentious Art School. Pretentious Artist it. Boy. Yeah, I actually so. just looked at the script today for the first time in a long time to remind myself of what the villains were called. It was a fun script to write. I didn't know anything about making a movie at that time. I just thought you get a camera and you hold it in front of people. Didn't know anything about lighting or capturing sound. So uh, it didn't really turn out all that great. But I think the script still holds <laughs> up still a little solid. bit. Yeah. yeah. Are you still writing uh, scripts for things just for fun? Uh, I haven't written a script in a while. I have some ideas knocking around. I'm working on a young adult novel. Oh, cool. Into that, uh, that uh, cash cow. Right on. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Do you want to plug that at all here? Or do you want, um, or do you want to wait really till it's more? I'm not quite ready to talk about it okay. yet. Uh, I'm working on uh, the last draft before I start submitting it. But um, the basic log line is that it's about like a 12-year-old girl who finds a dragon egg in her backyard. Uh, she's... Uh, local. She lives in Ballard, so there's lots of Seattle. You know, write what you know. Oh, cool. And uh, and where that takes her. Right on. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, everyone, yeah. keep your eyes open for that. Uh, also, I'm going to keep in mind that you played Potentious Art Boy. <laughs> uh, oh no, I've given yes. him ammo. I was going to say, get ready for that one to get thrown in your face. <laughs> dive right into this yeah i can talk about this I one mean, for a there's while a lot to talk about so we should probably get started all right so today's movie is wild at heart the david lynch movie and uh this was your choice jessica yes. yeah, yeah i i just knew and i just knew i was like she's gonna pick something great and i think <laughs> you picked the most x-rated uh, movie oh, yes. possible <laughs> yeah very nearly actually x-rated apparently but watching this i was like this is the type of movie that like we made this podcast for yeah like this is the exact type of thing that like we wanted to talk about like left of center film that's like just super high quality but like somehow kind of gets left behind like mm -hmm. even when people talk about david lynch it's like Mulholland Drive, Twin Peaks, Blue Velvet, and then everything else gets kind of brushed aside. It's yeah. true. And this is still a really solid effort. I loved watching. I haven't seen it in a good 15 years, uh, and watching it with the film knowledge I've gained since then, too, I really I had a good time watching it. So yep. um, good choice. Thank you. David Lynch is my favorite filmmaker, and uh, I, lo I love everything he does, but this is my favorite David Lynch movie. So, And also, Nicolas Cage is one of my favorite actors. Mm. Laura Dern is one of my favorite actresses. It's just got a lot in there for me to like. Does your love yeah. of these two actors like stem from this movie, or did you? would you say you like them independently? Uh, I think it does. I, think it, I mean, it's hard to say when I first fell in love with Nicolas Cage, but I think this is... We probably pretty early on. I mean, Raising Arizona is also great. And I oh, yeah. think I saw it before I saw 
wild at heart. Do you love him through thick and thin? (laughs) I pretty much do. I haven't seen some of his latest, like, pay my taxes movies. (laughs) 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 But, uh, I mean, every once in a while he'll throw out a really, you know, a gem, like a bad lieutenant or... Mm. uh, He's a great comedic actor, oh, but yeah. he does not get the props for that at all. I would say yeah. that he's kind of doing comedy in this movie. He absolutely is. So. Yes. Some of his line readings are just hilarious. They're ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, yeah. I have a note. Like, I think this might be, like, David Lynch's comedy. That's what I wrote, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's fair to say. Like, it's not, yeah. like outright like slapstick funny but it is kind of funny <laughs> unless you consider bashing someone's head in slapstick i also have a note that this is always more violent than i remember yes. oh, yeah oh the sound design on with the punches and the head squishing and yes yeah. he i mean he's always great with sound design uh, one of my favorite things to do is watch his stuff with closed captioning on because they always just say like ominous tone that's one yeah. of the things you see all the time <laughs> I watched an interview with him where he was talking about how there was like a type of lens filter that like was new and they were experimenting with it on this film and it basically puts in very naturally normal colors, I guess, like, you know, red, blue, purple, just like those. And so they put them in during like the lovemaking scenes Mm -hmm. and they had a different color every time. And it was because, like, Lynch was working in this uh, Wizard of Oz theme. He wanted yes. all the colors of the rainbow worked oh, in. Okay. Lula actually compares, you know, doing it with Nicolas Cage to being over the rainbow. So. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Sometimes, Sam, when we're making love, you just about take me right over that rainbow. There's so much Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And that was yeah. not in the book. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> that was I re- all his idea. I don't I can't remember the name of the author of the book, but It's Barry Gifford. Apparently he loves this version too. Yeah, which is unusual, especially when he changed the ending and Yeah. It's not like Stephen King and The Shining where it's like, That's not my book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Excellent Stephen King impersonation. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Sounded just like him. <laughs> <laughs> Something wrong. I live in Maine. I'm the Shining. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I love the performances like we've been yeah. talking about. I I think Diane Ladd was robbed. I think that we should be giving her awards now for this role. <laughs> I mean, she she did get the she yeah, get a new she get a new award. She did get the one Academy Award nomination that this nomination. movie nomination. Yeah, yes, that's yeah. True. She lost to Whoopi, so it's okay. For in Ghost, yeah. Uh, what? Is that right? Yeah, oh I looked God. it up today. <laughs> Uh, She's so good. How are you know something, sweetheart? I've done something so bad. She's got crazy face ticks going on. The way she moves is almost like a dancer, kind of. She was apparently channeling different actresses in every scene. Near the beginning when she's got like the martini and she's like looking right into the camera and she's just like drinking it while like staring down the audience she was supposed to be sort of channeling like lana turner with like Mm -hmm. this like white flowy dress and like Mm. that was something like she like the contributions or like the channeling of other actresses was like her contribution to it okay and david lynch just loved it yeah (laughs) apparently she wasn't uh very keen to stick to the script uh, which usually David Lynch isn't cool about, but I, he loved her performances so much that he just let her run with it. And basically, she would just have an emotion that they would talk about. And then a lot of it was ad-libbed by her. Really? Like, oh, yeah. okay. He tends to get good performances from people. And I he don't does, know if it's yeah. um, like one of those things where he pulls back the reins and it's just like go nuts or if he's like so iron grip on them. 
I don't know. It's, it kind of sounds like it's a little bit of both because, yeah. like, Crispin Glover for his oh, like right. little part in this. <laughs> I'm making my lunch. Says that he's never been more directed than in this movie. Like oh, he's never been given more guidance. But like I also hear like in a separate movie in like Fire Walk with Me. I can't remember the actress's name, but she plays Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks. Yes, and she's in this movie too as the Good Witch. <laughs> she, is, yeah. she talked about how like if she didn't like a scene, she could just like pull David aside and talk about how like the scene's really bumming me out. Is there anything we can do like maybe elsewhere in the movie to like lighten this up? And like he would make a new scene like mm. just based on this request. So I don't know. He's got that sensibility that like he knows like when to rein people in but he also knows when to just like let them do their own thing. Yeah. And it sounds like w- with Diane Ladd that he's kind of let her do her own thing. I mean, she was yeah. a seasoned actress at this point, too. Yeah. I think he knows how to get the best performance out of people, and if they can ad-lib something, he will let them do it, and if he thinks that they need to say the words, then he will make them do that. So I would really love to see a movie that's just David Lynch directing something. <laughs> I yeah. just want to see the behind it. I'd I'm watch that. so fascinated by his process, and he doesn't like to talk about it. You just get nuggets every once in a while. Yeah, I watched The Art Life and, like, the documentary yeah. about him. And, like, it's sort of interesting, like, because you get, like, tidbits of his home life growing up. And he said that, like, one night this naked woman came walking down the street in, like, the dead of night, and, like her face was bleeding like she had a big bloody nose and was totally naked and like just sat on the curb and started crying and i'm like that's david lynch mm-hmm. like that that's <laughs> what his art is yeah but like he didn't talk about anything concerning like craft or anecdote or anything actually concerning like the making of his movies mm-hmm. and i guess he doesn't like to talk about that like even when like like the cast of his movies are like, you know, what's my motivation? He's like, I don't want to explain that. Like, I don't want to ruin the mystery for you. Mm. Yeah, a lot of the times people don't know anything else about the movie other than the scene they're in. And then maybe even seeing the movie doesn't really help them. But yeah, yeah, Laura Dern likes to talk about um, shooting Inland Empire and how she just had no idea how that was going to come together when she was oh. shooting her part. I would argue that it didn't yes. come together. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. I like Inland Empire, but I, I understand that it's very challenging. It's basically like Ulysses, you know. It's <laughs> You yeah. have to really want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> when he got into the digital, it was just like, I could, I think he was working too fast, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like these earlier kind of ones where he actually has to film and like get the crew together. And, yeah, because like Wild yeah. at Heart looks so good. There's like the scene sort of like halfway through the movie where like Lula was going through the radio station. Oh, yeah. And like everything was just like true crime reenactment <laughs> stuff. <laughs> For her recent divorce, shot and killed her three children aged seven. Shot right between a heinous. A local judge praised defendant John Roy, but was dismayed to learn that Roy had had sex with the corpse. What? <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes. If you want to talk about things that strike me, I every time I look at Facebook, I think about that scene. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh I've my god. I've seen you're right. so much shit in all my life. You know, like, <laughs> but like they they get out of the car and like Sailor like finds some you know was it power <laughs> metal? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and they start dancing. I guess I'd seen like they just had one take to do it. And like the sun yeah, was the actually sun setting, <laughs> and that's such a good-looking scene. It's beautiful, scene. Yeah. gorgeous. And yeah. I don't know, I, there's just scenes like that aren't in Inland Empire. Like it kind of lost that mm. as time went on. I also really like the scene uh, when the, I guess it's uh, Lula's father comes in on fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to do too much to make that look amazing, but it was like 
it's just such a shocking moment, but still kind of beautiful at the same time. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, fire is used for, you know, in all sorts of connotations in the movie. So, yeah. I think that's one of the, like, the, there's, like, the recurring theme of fire in this. And I think that's one of the things that makes, like, Nicolas Cage so good in this movie is because you want, like, if someone is supposed to be, like, wild at heart and, like, that's the idea that they're, like, playing off of, like, mm-hmm. you kind of need someone who's, like, fiery themselves or, like, yes. has all their emotions just, like, on the surface. Mm-hmm. And, man, Nick Cage has that in spades here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does. Yeah. I love it when he beats up the guy at the at the concert. Yes, uh, that scene is amazing. I'm sorry to do this to you here in front of a crowd and all, but I want you to get up and apologize to my girl. And yeah. like the the sort of Elvisy part of him is doesn't yeah. like overwhelm the character either. Like it just feels kind of natural and it does. It really fits. I like their their love story too because oh, I think yeah. There, I mean, we talk about how this movie is kind of a comedy and like we're mentioning weird things, but also there's. He's able to capture that feeling of like absolutely insanely in love with somebody, you know, like yeah. how that actually makes you kind of crazy and that you would do all these things. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. I buy it with those two. For some reason, like I look at their performances like at one another and I'm just like, yeah, like these are two people in love. Mm-hmm. Even though but it's, it's over total the ridiculous. Yeah. Love. yeah it's so I would argue that they're the only ones who could sell like almost all the lines that they say too. like anyone else you'd be like what is this so stupid <laughs> but they just oh. make it all so poetic whenever Laura Dern like screams sailor <laughs> like even at the beginning like when we don't oh know these God. characters from Adam yeah like I hear like her love for him when she's screaming sailor mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean David Lynch has like said repeatedly like throughout different decades that Laura Dern is the greatest actress that he's ever worked with yeah, I mean, she can cry like nobody's business. She can scream. She's got that mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Expressive yeah, mouth. That mouth. Yeah. And I think about this movie, three years later, she did Jurassic Park. If you don't know Jurassic Park, you don't know shit. I don't see the same character at all. Uh-uh. Like, the same person could not have then played a, a you know, paleobotanist <laughs> three years later, but... She did. Like, that's... She had to pay the bills, too. Yeah. Kudos yeah. <laughs> to her agent, I would yeah. say. <laughs> hey, I'm not Bowmouth in Jurassic Park. That's a great movie, but... Uh... I gotta say that even she couldn't carry off those shorts, though. <laughs> <laughs> On the topic of, like, those two being in love, Sailor and Lula, who... I, I think that's a great name for a couple, by the way. Yeah. And he's telling her a story about, like, some hookup that he had, like, years prior. Yeah. And even though I've seen this movie a couple times, like, I forgot how the scene played out. And... I always expect Lula to be jealous and, like, not want to hear the story because, like, that's how you're supposed to think that, like, a woman in love will react to hearing about, right. like, a previous... Well, stereotypically. That's yeah. what movies would have you believe. Yeah. But, Instead, yeah. it, like, turns <laughs> no, her she, on. Yeah. <laughs> I remember she, she looked back over her shoulder at me and, and said, um, I won't suck you. Don't ask me to suck you. Oh, poor baby. She doesn't know what she missed. That's one of those things I'm like, oh, they're so in love. Like, And it's very sex positive. I love how sex uh, yeah. positive this movie is. It's, you know, she's not slut shamed ever for liking sex. It's so great. I don't want to jump too yeah. far ahead, but like, because they're both very sexual, mm-hmm. uh, but, and, but it, they're like only sexual for each other yeah. in this way. If like, you never see Sailor eyeing another lady. Like, he's not, Mm-mm. like, a Lothario in that. Like, he loves Lula, and, like, that's the end of the list. Yeah. yeah. 
because when Bobby <laughs> Peru comes in and she's like in her little mm-hmm. nightie, yeah, and the way that like she covers herself and suddenly becomes like very demure, it's like, yeah, she is like a super sexual being, but not for anybody except yeah. for Sailor. I really like that scene because it just the body language illustrates yeah. a lot about her character. That was apparently a scene that David Lynch made up on the day too, which is. It's so amazing how many of his most memorable scenes were just, he just thought of it that day. It was like, let's try this. You know, I sure do like a woman with nice tits like yours who talks tough and looks like she can fuck like a bunny. Can you fuck like that, huh? You like it like a bunny? If you do, baby, I'll fuck you good. Like a big old jackrabbit bunny. Jump all around that hole. Bobby Peru don't come up for air. Oh wow, he just made that up on this on the spot, yeah. huh? Yeah, because I think it was supposed to be like he comes in to like use the bathroom, right? And like talks to her, like get some information that she's pregnant. Yeah. I think is how the original script was supposed to go, and then he leaves. But David Lynch was like, oh, I want to, you know, give Bobby Peru a, a little bit more breadth here. So like that, yeah, they came with that on the spot, played by Willem Dafoe, another great performance in this movie. Yes. Nicolas Cage, of course, is a scene stealer in whatever movie he's in. (laughs) But I kind of think Willem Dafoe shows him up a little bit when he when he starts getting in there. Those teeth. teeth. (laughs) (laughs) When they're in the bar in the bar scene, I definitely think he does. Yeah. And just like when they're when they're like robbing the feed store, and like even when they have the masks on, I feel like Willem's sort of upstaging. Oh, and he's horrifying. Those are dummies. Dummy. <laughs> yeah, Willem Dafoe says that, like putting in those teeth like made the character. Like he couldn't close his mouth all the way once like <laughs> the teeth were installed. So you know he kind of had that weird you know way of talking. <laughs> and he's like that made the character. So only this like little impediment like freed me up to like become Bobby Peru. That's kind of what I mean though. Like I think that there's a certain freedom that actors have in his movies because. Somebody like Bobby Peru or uh, Diane Ladd's character can be really fucking weird mm-hmm. and still feel like they're a part of this world that's that we're watching on the screen. And so I think the actors are like, great, I want to be in this movie so yeah. I can be a fucking strange weirdo. And you just try anything. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you can do. <laughs> well, wasn't a friend of the pod, Bettina McKelvey, she was Diane she Ladd. Did, yeah, she was Diane year. Ladd from this movie with like oh, really? full red face paint. Marietta. Marietta. Thank you, yeah. I love, I love the character names in this movie. Like everybody's got such an amazing name. Like, well, <laughs> David Lynch named his youngest daughter Lula. I also named my own daughter Lula. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I did it before David Lynch. I want to say only on the record. <laughs> and did you name her because of this movie then? Yes. Wow. 100%. Okay. She won't be able to watch it for another couple of years. She's eight. But, uh, but I'm, I will be so proud to show her this movie when mm-hmm. she is ready. Because, I mean, I, th- I do think that Lula is a good, you know, she's, a, I don't know, a role model exactly. But, I mean, she's just a good example of a woman. And what a woman can be and should be, you know, so. Her mother's sort of the one of loose morals, really, if you, like, break it down. Oh, yes. (laughs) Lula. I don't think she has any morals at all. (laughs) Yeah. Lula's actually, like, fairly, like, uh, upright citizen, at least in comparison to her mother. So, like, in a lot of ways, like, she 
is sort of a uh, free thinking individual. Like she's not just doing what her parents tell her to do. Like, <laughs> right. She's very much an independent woman. Yeah, I think she would get a pass on pretty much any questionable thing she would do because of how she was raised. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I do also love that there's some parallels. I like that they put these parallels in. I don't know if that was ad libbed. Uh, between the two, the mother and daughter, but um, they both have scenes in front of the mirror where they're kind of losing their shit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they do it in different ways. And you can almost see Laura Dern, like her face trying not to be her mother. I feel like she's looking in the mirror and you can see her being like, oh my God, I look like my mother right now. I got to pull it together, <laughs> but I can't help it. This is how I feel. We should also mention that Diane Ladd is Laura Dern's real oh, life. Oh, yeah. 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 So that's, that's right. That's... Yes. And uh, they, <laughs> Laura Dern likes to say that she basically like got through years of therapy by shooting this movie with her mother. Like it just exercised all these demons. She's like, it doesn't get any better than seeing your own mother playing the Wicked Witch of the West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Before watching it this time around, I was like, oh, this is really sort of a David Lynch movie for people who don't like David Lynch. Because in like my memory of it, like for some reason, I don't remember how violent it is. I don't remember all the nudity in it. And to me, it's just sort of like a Romeo and Juliet story, mm-hmm. like that meets a road story. Uh, but then I watched it and I was like, oh, hey, this is super violent. There's sex all over the place. And also it's totally a Lynch movie. Like yeah. his style is all over this thing. Like his stylistic flourishes don't stick with me the same way that some of his other movies do. Mm-hmm. There's no you know, extreme close up into an ear canal or something like that. <laughs> I mean, there's some some signature moves like the the pan to the house and all of a sudden. Oh, the pindarecki. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like if, if you take that stinger away, it's just a pan, a side <laughs> yeah. pan to a house. He's so good at making like mundane things seem really scary. Mm-hmm. I don't yes, know, with I don't sound, know just is. with sound. Yeah. Like the, I mean, the scariest image from Twin Peaks for me, the original one, was just that ceiling fan. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's just because it has an ominous tone, you know, while it's whirring around. And I can't look at a ceiling fan without thinking about that scene. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, I think David Lynch's trick a lot, like, and he mentions it in this movie when they're all sitting around the fire. Um, what's his name? The actor, he's in Twin Peaks, The Big Eyes. Jack movie. Nance. Yes. Yeah. He, he's, he says, My dog barks some. Mentally, you picture my dog, but I have not told you the type dog which I have. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of what he, David Lynch does. Is he like, <laughs> he's, he's describing sort of, his method. Yeah, he's like, here's something really <laughs> scary, and then you picture it. You know, yeah. you, do the, you do the work in your own brain. So this movie came out, like, or it premiered at Cannes a month after the pilot for Twin Peaks aired. So, like, Mm -hmm. he must have made the two, like, either in close succession or at the same time. Yes. Because, yeah, uh, Twin Peaks, the pilot aired April of 1990, and this premiered at Cannes May of 1990. Wow. And I don't know how he did that. There's a lot of cast crossover. Yes, there is. Um, And I didn't even... Even though I've seen this several times, uh, Grace Zabrinsky, I never know that's her. <laughs> you never remember that that's Mrs. Palmer? Yeah, because it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like I'm a big Twin Peaks fan, so I remember, and then I'm a oh, Seinfeld wait, fan. She this movie? She's the woman with like Wanda the Durango. gimp leg. She's the scary hitman, basically. What? <laughs> yeah. No yeah. way! Yeah. Like the difference between like Mrs. Palmer 
and her role here, even though they were made at the same time, are so far apart that I don't even see the same actress. Honestly, this movie would make a great Halloween, like group Halloween costume. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Yeah, I'd be you, Bobby you might Peru. have to explain yourself all night, but I think it'd be worth it. It'd be worth it. <laughs> I would want to be Mr. Reindeer. <laughs> okay, I love the Mr. Reindeer scenes, and I feel like those are kind of underrated. Uh, in every movie, there's always a ringing phone, and you're always like, where is that? Who's on the other end of the phone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's like half the time, it's some guy having a crazy party with topless ladies, <laughs> or just like living his life with topless ladies giving him things. You know, I love his party that he's having where there's a fire breather behind him yeah. while he's talking about killing somebody. Yeah, and then there's like the banter between his two ladies where one of them's like, that bitch stole my comb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What an interesting world these people live in, you know. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's got like the topless lady there while he's uh, while he's on the toilet. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, a lot of toilets in this movie. <laughs> Where That's that? true. I never noticed that, but you're right. Absolutely we, right. So it starts in a toilet. We tend really? to talk about toilets. You're gonna lower this discourse. All right, here, okay. We're talking about high art. <laughs> Going literally into the toilet. But there are, think about it, because like Diane Ladd throws up in the toilet. Um, there's that scene with Mr. Reindeer on the toilet. Uh, the scene where um, Marietta yeah. hits on uh, Sailor is in a bathroom. There's in toilets a stall. there. Yeah. How would you like to you know, David Lynch knows what he's doing, so he's not going to be showing toilets without you being like, okay, we've got to think, <laughs> what is this here for? That is the thing about him. Like, he really doesn't do anything without purpose, so I don't think you're, you know, reading too much into anything when you say, what's that mean? Like, there's a horse in the Big Tuna hotel room, and there's a horse in Twin Peaks, <laughs> yeah. and the horses mean something. I don't know what they mean, but they mean something to David Lynch. It was fun seeing all the Twin Peaks cast crossover because we have uh, Laura Palmer as the Good Witch, <laughs> yeah. Grace Zabrinsky as her name is Juana Durango, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but she's good. some sort of assassin yeah. hit woman. Sherilyn Fenn, Fenn is in mm-hmm. it, yeah. So there's just and she's kind of playing Audrey. She's playing like an an alternate universe yeah. Audrey. Yeah, yeah. We haven't even mentioned that Harry Dean Stanton is in Harry this Dean movie. Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say Harry Dean Stanton. I love Harry Dean Stanton. It was, this is the first time they worked together, apparently. And, he's great uh, in this movie. He's so great. He's so great in everything, but yeah. He's, uh, David Lynch considered him the most natural actor of all time. I can see that, yeah. yeah. He like kind of puts you at ease, especially yeah. in that scene with Diane Ladd where she's like rolling around on the floor. <laughs> yeah. He's almost like our touch tone in that moment. It's like, oh, I, I feel like he's a real human. <laughs> That's true. He like... has the most normal line readings of anybody. Yeah. So, it's yeah, he really kind of is. He's like us. He's the us in the movie. <laughs> and then we get assassinated. Yeah. <laughs> and then things go really crazy. <laughs> yeah, the way that things kind of go off the rails in this movie feels very natural. Like, it's not like... You know, uh, uh, there's a turn on a dime, and then suddenly you're like in crazy land. It's like day by day, it just kind of gets crazier and crazier. And then, like, before you know, it's like, oh, they're in way over their heads. And, Mm -hmm. like, even as like I, the audience, didn't quite realize how crazy things had gotten for them (laughs) until they get to this hotel where there's like large naked ladies dancing for Mm -hmm. some reason behind them. (laughs) They're shooting pornos, Texas style. style. Whatever that means. Everything's bigger in Texas, (laughs) I guess. I don't know. Oh, 
maybe that is what they're referring to. I never thought about that. It was just like some weird... They're into weird shit in Texas. I don't know. <laughs> Let's Google Texas porn real fast. <laughs> See what comes up. We'll be up. back in an hour. I feel like, you know, like you were saying, like everything they do, when you talk about it, it's like, well, it's a crazy scenario, but every all their uh, actions make a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and they make sense not like in a way that like they're doing the right thing like sailor kind of sways like obviously he should not have tried to rob the feed store or something like that but i mean before that i mean the very very first scene when the guy pulls a knife on him and he just like kills him mm-hmm. uh <laughs> you know he goes overboard but you know it it you know that's why it's manslaughter and not murder yeah. and stuff so, you know he wasn't totally in the wrong there. He just went overboard on the right, you know. It was kind of like a cantina, like Honshut's first moment in yeah, a way. Yeah, Because he definitely knew he was already going to fuck this guy up because he called his girlfriend a cunt. How's that cute little cunt Lula feel about that? Hmm? Uh-oh. He's like, uh, I have to kick your ass now. You realize <laughs> I have to kick your ass. But then he makes it easy for him because he tries to stab him. Yeah. yeah. But, like, that scene is... Like, like one of those things like where I forget how violent the movie is, and then we have this scene right away, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, he just like smashes this person's skull <laughs> in, and like we see a good portion of that, like oh yes, you definitely do. You, he lifts the head up. You see, oh my god, there's <laughs> yes, the practical effects. <laughs> I feel like this movie kind of laid out a blueprint for like violent movies in the '90s. It was a different type of violence. Like obviously there was '80s movies that were violent, but it was like shoot 'em up explosion type violence where this had like a real like personal violence to it like yeah. this was like killing someone with your bare hands violence which is a lot mm-hmm. different than seeing like someone get shot on screen yeah. like seeing mm-hmm. someone get their head stomped in is a lot different than just seeing like someone like in a building that gets blown up mm-hmm. so yeah I'll sort of agree with that that like this was like the first in a way of like different types of violence. I can't remember if Blue Velvet was as uh, viscerally violent, but I mean, definitely it feels very violent. So I think that Lynch kind of set the tone with that a little bit. And he was like, this is just the kind of movie I make. Apparently he had to cut uh, the assassination of Johnny Farragut scene because people were walking out of screenings, test screenings. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. What's Grace Zabrinsky's character's name? Juana Durango. <laughs> she has like and this... Reggie is her boyfriend or lover or whatever. She, I yeah. guess, has like a, a post-mortem monologue mm-hmm. that they had to cut because, yeah, they said that they did like a test screen of like 300 people and like 175 walked out. Because killing people makes her horny and that's upsetting. <laughs> oh, okay. For some reason. But that is actually, it's interesting because I don't think he said they cut the killing because you do see, you see his head get blown off. But uh, they were like, yeah, she can have sex afterwards. That's too weird. That's too far for us. You never know how people are going to react, I guess. Yeah. That's why you got test audiences. I yeah. definitely never know because I seem to like movies that most mainstream audiences don't like. So, yeah, <laughs> what, what things are upset by is generally a mystery to me. But. So all three of us are going to go see Mandy, right? <laughs> What's Mandy? Yeah. It's the new Nick Cage movie that's coming <gasps> what? out. What? <laughs> no. If you want me to see any movie, just say stylized Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Because sometimes he's squandered, but... Well, I, with Nicolas Cage, I always feel like he is a great actor. You just have to get a direct... Like, he's a fire hose of acting <laughs> talent. <laughs> and you just need a director that knows how to, like, rein that in. Because, yeah. like, you were talking about, like, Bad Lieutenant. Like, mm-hmm. 
Werner Herzog, I don't think is like you know he worked with Klaus Kinski and got like good things out of him. Like yeah, he's not he's someone who's like at- easy to push over <laughs> yeah. or, or yeah. anything like that. Like he's used to difficult actors. Yeah, and like with adaptation, Nick Cage just said like he abandoned all like his own instincts and just decided to do whatever Spike Jones told him to do. These are like top performances. Did he win an Oscar for that or nominate? I think he was nominated. nominated. I think he only won an Oscar for uh, that drinking movie. The drinking oh, leaving Oscar. Leaving <laughs> Which he is Drinking, drinking, dime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Nicolas Cage, like I'd say the last 10, 15 years have not been his finest. He owes the government a lot of money. Still? <laughs> I think so. I mean, oh. he was, he didn't pay his taxes ever, I think. That's he just, too bad. And he just kept buying uh, Tyrannosaurus yeah. Rex heads and stuff. <laughs> and weird, like, messianic plots in New Orleans and oh, no. haunted houses. Speaking of plots of land in, in New Orleans, there's a cemetery where he supposedly has his plot. And uh, I, the day I, got, I went there to go look at it, that cemetery, it was closed, but there was a groundskeeper there, and he's like, because there, there was a crowd out there, he's like, I'll let you guys in uh, for free, <laughs> but we'll do a real quick like run around. And he pointed out Nicolas Cage's one, which is just this huge pyramid <laughs> looking thing. Yes. Uh, I don't know if that was actually his or if this guy was no, just that's like it. that one. I've oh, it is? I've seen a picture on the internet oh, okay, of it. Okay. Yes, yes. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's the one. I have a great uh, New Orleans Nicolas Cage moment, which was that he did own this haunted house, the one that uh, Marie Laveau. <laughs> it's like the most haunted house in New Orleans. I don't, whether or not you believe in ghosts, that's what they bill it as. Okay. And an entire American Horror Story season was based on this house that Nicolas Cage owned for a while. We were taking a ghost tour around New Orleans, me and my husband. We were outside this house, and I didn't know that he owned the house at the time, but there was this guy on a balcony yelling at another guy, and he was doing the points, you know, the Nicolas Cage points, and yelling (laughs) in a very particular way. And one of the guys in the group was like, is that Nicolas Cage? And the um, tour guide was like, yes, very much so. (laughs) And we should get away from here quickly. Wow. Because he doesn't like when we do this. (laughs) I guess I should ask, you had a short list of movies that you wanted yeah. to do for the podcast. What put Wild at Heart above the rest? Um, I mean, it's not my favorite movie of all time, but it's my favorite Lynch movie, and David Lynch is my favorite director, so it's kind of weird in that way. But well, I mean, while we're just talking about Lynch in general, I, I, I think one of his strongest assets is that he's a real innovator. Everything Absolutely. he does feels like new. Like, I've never seen this before, and I've never seen it done this way before. Mm-hmm. And that is so refreshing because I just don't feel like you get originality like this very often. Yes, I completely agree. And in fact, I want to say that was one thing I wanted to mention was his uh, use of uh, exposition. You know, normally you notice exposition in things a lot of the time. Yeah. People are really bad at delivering exposition. But he's really good uh, at making it seem really natural. I had I wrote down one of Johnny Farragut's lines, but it was something like, uh, you know, he's talking to Marietta and... He's like, I don't even know why I'm have to tell you all this, honey. You was there. You saw the whole damn thing. But the way he says it is just like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that she would not remember the details because she's kind of nuts. And yeah. I don't know. But, but at the same time, he was delivering information like, oh, yeah, you killed your husband in this horrible way. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't feel like yeah. exposition. Yeah. It's yeah. nice. Because then it doesn't take you out of the movie. Like, there's definitely times when I'm like, OK, I guess I need to be paying right, attention exactly. to this Like, junk. I'm your brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then what you were saying, like lo- the log lines you were giving, like this is uh, the underbelly of a small town America. You'd be like, oh, is this American Beauty? No, it's not. It's Blue Velvet. And it's something you've never seen before. Or, you know, it's Romeo and Juliet, but you've definitely never seen it like this. Yeah. You know, so he 
he definitely is very good at taking something and making it seem completely new. But I love David Lynch, and like the best thing that happened to me in 2017 was the Twin Peaks: The Return, mm-hmm. and I can safely say that because I didn't have any children that year. And uh, <laughs> I just, I mean, I feel like I could just talk about Lynch and think about Lynch all day long and that's my happy place so. yeah his refusal to talk about his own work is sort of a blessing in disguise because i feel <laughs> like it, it just lets us be able to like ruminate about it mm-hmm. even further mm-hmm. i know that's his goal because like he said before in interviews that like he wants his movies to sort of end like chinatown where like it gives you just enough that you're satisfied walking out but it doesn't wrap everything up that's like, definitely what he's done with pretty much everything that i can think yeah. of Except for maybe Wild at the Heart, which, uh, I mean, it does end with, like, a happily ever after sort of ending. But but also they're a very realistic couple in a way. So you kind of think, well, maybe they will be married for a long time, but maybe they won't. But maybe they'll be amicable (laughs) exes. I don't know. (laughs) It's interesting. In the book, they don't get together. Like, I think after... Sailor says, you're no, you know, I'm no good for you, and walks away. I think that's it. How can you say this, Sailor? It's what makes sense is all. I'm believing it at that point. Mm-hmm. Like I buy that. Sure. He's maybe he's got he's making a good point, but yeah, yeah. Like I'm like no, like maybe yeah. like even though they are in love, like at this point, like so much damage has been done, mm-hmm. and it'd be so hard to start like their life over from yeah. like where they're at. Like and if he's you walking love something, set it free, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or send it to jail. Or <laughs> uh, but yeah, I kind of I'm I'm I sympathize with his mindset at that point. Yeah. But I'm much happier with the turnaround. Yeah, I mean I feel like it would just be devastating if they didn't get together because they're just so they seem so perfect for each other. Yeah. In the context of that situation. And, and in that scene, like you get like a good character arc because mm-hmm. like he picks himself up after being like punched in the face and things like that, and apologizes, and then like goes back to meet Lula. And it's like this very similar scene happened like in the club earlier at the very, mm-hmm. you know, you could say even the very beginning of the movie when he beats the hell out of the guy with the knife. Mm-hmm. And you really get that idea that like he's turned over a new leaf at this point. Yeah. And it wasn't because of the time he did in jail. It was because the good witch came and said like, <laughs> yeah. no, don't be dumb. Do this right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't turn away from love, sailor. Don't turn away from love. I love I do love that scene and hate that scene because the whole he apologizes them to them for calling them homosexuals, which is like that's not really the issue here. That's not he shouldn't Yeah, I mean that's like the most problematic part and that I hate I hate that that takes me out of the movie. Like that's just a classic like 90s 80s thing where mm-hmm. someone says something homophobic and you're just like, "Oh, why?" <laughs> that is the most raising Arizona moment for me too when he's lying on the ground and he's like, "But I'm a manslaughterer." And I didn't have any parental guidance. (laughs) That's a very Cohen line. And there's a lot of Raising Arizona moments in there, too, in the whole movie. And I don't think I really thought about it until I watched it this last time. But it makes me laugh to think that David Lynch was influenced by anything. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Like, he was kind of influenced by the Cohen brothers a little bit because it came out three years before. Because he seems like such an original that it feels like he's creating in a vacuum and just everything springs forth from his head. Yeah. Free of uh, other images, but or no. they're non-movie influences. Yeah, sure. Like he's influenced by music a lot, you know, and yeah. just cultures. But he's not usually influenced by other filmmakers. Sure. But I mean, if you're gonna be influenced by anybody, <laughs> and That's you're David great. Lynch, I can't think of anybody better than the Coen Brothers, really. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
I want to ask you real fast, Jessica. So you've you mentioned that you might have a theory of a unified Lynchiverse. Oh, yes. I'm really curious about this. I do. Well, so on the one hand, I know the explanation for this, which is just that David Lynch has people he likes to work with and he has motifs that he likes and he just reuses that stuff because that's just his style. But on the other hand, you can't help but notice parallels and uh, one of the main things is that there just seem to be lodge entities in everything, if you think about it, like, the, you know, the radiator lady from Razorhead all the way up to uh, Laura Palmer in a bubble in Wild at Heart. It like, oh. comes back later in The Return. Okay. She's sort of like a symbol of good in The Return. Yeah. And oh, she's okay. a symbol of good in Wild at Heart. And um, I the mean, cowboy in Mulholland Drive, I think, is a lodge entity. And uh, and then there's the woodsman. The guy behind the Winkies is one of the woodsmen in The Return. There's just, you know, things oh. that happen. And then the horse. Like, I didn't even think about the horse ever until I watched <laughs> recently. Because there's a horse in the final questionable episode of The Return. And there's a horse in the original Twin Peaks. And then right. there's, like, a horse statue in uh, the Big Tuna Hotel Room in Wild at Heart. And when she's really upset at one point, she kind of strokes the, this wooden horse a little bit. And I didn't notice that before. But I was like, that definitely means something. That's something, right? Yeah. Why would she touch this horse otherwise? I don't know. <laughs> and it's like prominent in so many shots in that hotel room. Hmm. Like the two things you see the most in that hotel room are the horse and the barf. Like those <laughs> are the right. most yeah. important things in here. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say that I'm, I hate when people barf in movies, women barf in movies and they're always pregnant. Like no one ever barfs from any other reason if they're a woman. But uh, again, like Lynch sold that for me. Like, I'm Doesn't like, Marietta barf? That's true. She, she does? Yeah. <gasps> That's a good point. But she's old. She's not fertile. <laughs> There's no way That's she's pregnant. That's not from pregnancy. I'm sorry. I meant nubile young women. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Do we have any other thoughts on Wild at Heart? I really, really love my probably my favorite line delivery. I mean, it's really hard to say, but of Nicolas Cage is when Lou asks him when he started smoking and he's like, I guess I started smoking when I was about four and you're like what <laughs> i love that conversation too because it's like there is a certain amount of uh brand loyalty when it comes to cigarettes yeah and i think it's mm-hmm. funny to like that some people use that as a conversation piece you know absolutely especially back then when everyone smoked and it was fine <laughs> yeah 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 well, I feel like yeah. if I knew more about cigarettes, the brand loyalty would say something about the character. It absolutely yeah. does. Yeah. Totally. I, uh, I mean, she smoked, <laughs> she smoked former Slims. Former smokers, and... sorry, mom yeah, and dad. Slims but, was yeah. always like the ladies. Like, I don't know why, but like that was like what my grandmother smoked. It's because mm-hmm. they're smaller. So they, they're you know, daintier. You like, well, not that they're daintier, but it's just less tobacco. Okay. I don't know. Like, I'm smoky, but it's. Yeah, we're the and the marbles are hella one. harsh. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, camels are for like the that's like the cool brand to buy. Oh, that's all, the one that my mom smoked when she still smoked. I mean, they're all just cancer sticks. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're all I mean, kill you. okay, smoking is bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> do we need to say that? We shouldn't do it. <laughs> you but know. it used to be considered very cool, especially in movies. <laughs> I smoked a lot of different things. I tried out a lot of different cigarette personalities before I quit a long time ago. You always start, I mean, when you're a kid and you start smoking, if you do, but you shouldn't, uh, you do smoke what's around. Like Lula says, like, I smoked what my mom had because I stole them from her purse. Like, right. that's, that's just how people got cigarettes back in the day. Right. And then if you lived in the South, like I did, I grew up in Virginia, you could go to the store and not get carded pretty disturbingly young. 
sometimes your elementary school went on a field trip to Philip Morris and they gave you cigarettes to take <gasps> oh, home to your parents. What? <laughs> no, you're kidding. I sh- I'm not kidding. I should say that I'm pretty old and I went to elementary school in the 80s, but. <laughs> That's yeah. insane. Whoa. But that back then they were still doing that whole like it's toasted Mad Men sort of thing. It was still it was still out there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. At heart. Yeah. It's weird on top. <laughs> I do like thinking of this movie, though, as his as David Lynch's attempt at. Comedy, like he's like this is this is David Lynch's rom com. Yeah, this is as funny as he can get, and like because there were I'm trying to think of moments when I laughed out loud, but there were a couple times where I actually laughed, and I I, I can't remember any of them. I now, laugh out loud a lot. It's like a, a funny... ton. I mean, even Bobby Peru makes me laugh when he's like, I don't mean your head, head. I'm not gonna piss on your head, your hair, and all. Just gonna piss in the toilet. Y'all take a listen. You hear a deep sound coming down from Bobby Peru. <laughs> he's, just, he's hilarious. He's so scary, but also hilarious. He's yeah. really good. The editor of this movie, I can't remember his name now, but like he's done like most of like David Lynch's prime stuff. He said that his grandmother, his like 85-year-old grandmother, went and saw the movie. He's like, oh, Granny, oh, why'd you do that? Oh, no. Like, He's like, well, I just heard all these good things about it, and oh, you God. won that award at that French film festival. <laughs> uh, he's like... Well, Granny, what'd you think? And she's like, I loved it. It reminded me of being a teenager. Oh, my God. That's so great. That's yeah. really great. I love yeah. that. I that's love the that vibe so it gives off, too. Yeah, like that. Like we're talking about love and just, I don't know. It makes me feel happy. And Nicolas Cage with his like mm-hmm. Elvis vibe, I could kind of see that resonating with like, you know, someone who maybe like came of age sexually like during the 1950s. Sure. I don't know. It, it like yeah. for some reason when when, when it was like it just reminded me of being a teenager. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I see that, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think David Lynch probably thinks that good music stopped in the fifties because he's always got like a fifties sound. Oh, in yeah. Except he likes like drone electronica too. That's true. <laughs> His albums that he makes, I own both of them, but they are challenging. And every time I'm in mixed I love company, crazy clown and they time. come on my yeah, I do too. <laughs> But if I'm in a mixed company and it comes on my shuffle, I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't like them just because they're they're Battle Lamenti ripoffs. Like he's just like uh, Angelo Battle Lamenti. Yeah. He's just ripping him off. I mean, I don't um, think he's like breaking any you know barriers with his music. I just think he's he's fucking around in his garage and he's having yeah. a good time. And I en- yeah. I want David Lynch to have a good time. I mean, that's what John Carpenter <laughs> does now. Like he yeah. goes into the basement with his son and they like pump out 90 minutes of music or something like that every day yeah and it's like this is more fun than making movies so. yeah it's fun right that's just like this creative part of him yeah. he's like i have to be making something and yeah. music sounds like the thing i want to make right now so here we go yeah he said like his dad had that mentality of like you know he was always doing like some sort of carpentry project or always like painting like you know like workmen painting like painting the house or like you know recarpeting stuff so like he just kind of grew up with this mentality like in your spare time, like you're fixing something or you're repairing something or yeah. you're improving something like that's just what you do. So like, yeah, he, I mean, that's why he like paints constantly and stuff like that. So yeah. there's, uh, I watched a, a DVD of short films that he made mm-hmm. and it, there's like one where he's making a lamp for like 45 oh minutes. <laughs> that's one that like really gives an insight. Cause he's like, he's talking about how like beautiful he thinks the lamp is or like, that says a lot about his sense of beauty. <laughs> it looks like it looks like ET's arm. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
said this earlier on, way four hours ago, but this really is the type of movie that like I feel like we started the podcast for. Oh yeah. Like Absolutely. this is the most X rated y movie there could you could have picked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. Obviously we've been talking forever about it, so <laughs> And yeah, it really is just this is why we wanted to do a podcast like this to talk about movies like Wild at Heart. And I mean, I think it's probably why I still, you know, I keep, I mean, love movies and I keep watching movies because I want to find the next Wild at Heart. I want to find the next David Lynch. Oh my God, we, we have to end this. All right, <laughs> yeah. we got to wrap this up. We got to wrap this up. I'm going to be editing for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I guess first of all, thank you so much. Yes, my for pleasure. Coming my on. pleasure. Uh, what are we what are we gonna talk about next week, Matt? For this run of episodes, some will call it a season. I don't feel like we've done enough just generic machismo testosterone fueled action movies. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna start us out with uh, what I believe to be one of the most graceful action movies around. It's uh, John Woo's Hard Boiled. Oh, okay. Well, I great. I'm excited. I hope yeah. you like doves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. They're in like every John Woo film. Okay, I'm ready. I think maybe if you play drink, if you see a dove, you might be pretty hammered. Oh, by okay. Him. Good yeah. to know. Maybe that's how I'll watch it. <laughs> well, I remember there was one of his more recent, or not recent one, but one of his American ones. I think it was Mission Impossible 2. It was like, there hasn't been any doves in it. And then like in the last scene, out of nowhere, there's just all these doves. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an afterthought like oh I shit gonna bring the <laughs> i forgot about the dust <laughs> <laughs> they were just in their trailer the whole time <laughs> cool. right. well, we gonna wait. plug our junk and get the hell out well of here? i was hoping our guests do you have anything any junk you'd like to plug i do please check out my movie reviews on hammertonail.com uh i review independent movies there uh, along with many other talented writers we don't give bad reviews, which has been really nice, actually, because if I don't like a movie, I can stop watching it. Mm. <laughs> so if, if I put a review up there, I liked it at least a little bit. I got some nice things to say about it. Sweet. Uh, and then my website, uh, jessicabaxter.com, has basically everything I write on the internet. I post links to there. So uh, if you like my tone, <laughs> my opinions, Nicolas Cage... You can check that out and see everything there. We go there and it's just Nicolas Cage (laughs) fan flick. You've got like heart uh, gifs moving around his head. (laughs) It's in GeoCities website. (laughs) You are visitor number. (laughs) Right on, right on. Well, you can find us on the internet as well or on Twitter at xratedmovies. We're at Facebook at ratedxmovies. We have a website of our own, and that's just xratedmovies.com. And if you want to email us, it's x.rated.movies at gmail.com. That is the like most streamlined we've ever done that. We've been recording <laughs> for a while. <laughs> I'm ready to get the hell out of here. Yeah. All right, on. Uh, well, thank you again, Jessica. Yeah, it's been a real a pleasure. And I guess we'll be here next week with Hard Boiled. Yay! All right. Bye.